I'm Marty Moscow-Wayne. Welcome to The Connection. Molly and Stuart Winter opened up their marriage almost by accident. This was back in 2008. Molly had had a difficult day with their two kids. Stuart came home late from work again, and she left their house in a huff. She went to a bar with some friends and met an attractive young man she calls Matt. They fell into an easy flirtation, and when she told her husband about it, he encouraged her to pursue the relationship provided she shared the intimate details with him. That's how Molly Roden Winter opens her new book, More, a Memoir of an Open Marriage. She doesn't hold back or leave much to the imagination as she charts her sexual adventures, her struggles with jealousy and identity, her journey of desire and self-discovery, and how both of them nurtured their relationship while pursuing other people. Molly and Stuart live in Brooklyn. They've been married for something like 24 years, had an open relationship for more than 15, and they join us today on The Connection. Molly Roden-Winter, nice to have you with us on the show. Thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. And Stuart Winter, thanks for joining us as well. Yeah, thanks for having me as well. You're very welcome. Molly, let me begin with you. This was a four-year process of writing this book. You had numerous rejections, as I read, numerous rewrites. Why were you so determined to write this book and to open up your marriage in such a frank and honest way, especially to people that don't know you? We're not family and we're not friends. Yeah, well, thanks for asking that, because I sometimes wonder that myself over the last week. So it's good (laughs) to remind myself. (laughs) I'm reminding myself why I did it now. Um, The main reason is that I feel like I learned some really powerful truths during the course of the 10 years that I'm writing about in, uh, in the book more. And I feel like these truths apply equally to people, whether they're in monogamous or non-monogamous marriages. So I was really only setting out to tell my own story, not to try to convert the world to non-monogamy. That is not my intention. Right, I get but that. But I, I, I wasn't seeing... Um, I wasn't seeing any stories like mine. I, I was hearing about the kind of research that you were sharing earlier about the Pew Research Report, et cetera, but I wasn't seeing the stories behind that. And I knew I had a, a story to tell with some wisdom to gain for, for readers, and uh, I wanted to share it. Sure, and we will get to all that. Stuart, your marriage now literally is an open book. Are you comfortable with that? I wish you had asked this a year ago. Um, <laughs> I I hear some reluctance from both of you, but go ahead, Stuart. Well, I'm speaking to you right now from my bunker, uh, 50 feet beneath the uh, <laughs> Earth's crust. No, I, I, it's kind of funny. I really think that uh, when I first read the book, uh, I didn't think it would be the the size of the release it was. So I, at the time, I was comfortable thinking, well, you know, our family and friends can deal with it, but... It got way larger than I thought, and uh, I guess reluctance is useless at this point. <laughs> right. The, the the cat is out of the bag, so to speak. Molly, let me go back to you, and you talked about some, some truths that you learned in, in writing about this 10 years, of, and it's from 2008 to 2018. And mm-hmm. one of them seems to be challenging the stereotype about moms as being, if not a sexual being dutiful, being responsible, being the caretakers, putting others first, sort of at the expense of desire and sex. Was that something that you were interested in exploring in yourself, but also sort of tearing apart when people think about moms and even open marriage? 
Well, I think it goes beyond sex and motherhood. I mean, yes, we do expect mothers, ironically, to be virginal, (laughs) (laughs) even though uh, that's kind of uh, thrown out the window um, by virtue of becoming a mother. However, I... What I discovered during the course of this this journey was that it was way more than sex for me. Mm-hmm. Um, it was about discovering myself, and it was about allowing myself to be a full, three-dimensional person. And I think we idealize the selfless mother in our culture, and it's to the detriment of everyone. I don't think kids benefit from having mothers that are not... Um, growing and evolving as human beings throughout their lives. And it's uh, it's not fair to the big chunk of population that is sure. a mother. Um, it, it doesn't take away from my love for my kids. I think I'm a better mother because I'm more in touch with myself and I'm a happier person overall. And I don't want to belabor this point, but I, I, I underscored something you wrote a book in the book about yourself. This, as you say, quote, constant swirl of secret lust and mother's guilt. I mean, this was early on as you were kind of struggling right. with, with what you wanted to do with your life. But I thought that was, I don't know, I thought that spoke to a lot of probably a lot of women. Yeah, and it doesn't have to be lust that's competing with mother's guilt. I think mother's guilt comes when you go to work. I think mother's guilt comes when you want to sleep instead of playing with your child. I mean, um, every mother I've spoken to has resonated with this idea, whether or not they want to explore non-monogamy. I think it's just the idea of exploring pieces of yourself that motherhood doesn't um, accommodate always. Stuart, how, how and, and this in many ways was your idea, but, but how do you define maybe even live open marriage? Well, I define it as I think, in, I, well, I guess I could basically say I felt that marriage was strong enough. I When I first met Molly, I just knew she was my person mm-hmm. and one of those weird, goofy, first love at first sight things. But um, it just had worried me that she hadn't had the opportunity to see other people. And I had, uh, she had a limited number of boyfriends before we met. And I knew that everyone kind of gets the, you know, the kind of urge and the, the, the curiosity, the grass is always greener on the other side, so to speak. So I just felt, I warned I, when Molly and I first got married, we kind of discussed there might be, you know, you might have questions about other men and we'll face them when we need to face them. So this was for her? Well, in a way, it was initially, yeah, it really was for her because my wife is an open book and um, I can tell, I think, that there were just, I knew I knew she would be curious and I think she was curious when uh, she had met Matt and it was okay to me. Hmm. I, I'm also curious to, to you, Stuart, whether you felt like you could be monogamous in a married relationship. Oh, uh, like pre the open marriage in other words because monogamy was fine with me mm-hmm. i was really okay with it uh because molly and I, I i was happy i really was i hadn't considered any other options it's not like i was uh you know pining for this you know for this lifestyle at all and i can't hesitate to call it a lifestyle because <laughs> when i do people think of us walking around in bathrobes with pipes well, it's interesting you say that because I did have a question like, what do you call the other people in your lives? Are they your 
your girlfriend, your boyfriend, your lover, your Molly, and, and they have actual names as well, obviously. But right, yeah. And but is but, this a question for me? Yeah, let me toss that to you. Yeah, I mean the the lingo has changed over time. We were so careful at the beginning not to have um, what we, you know, the, our big rule. When you read the book, you will see we had a lot of rules, you and did. the biggest rule for me, <laughs> the biggest rule was no falling in love. And all the other rules were designed to protect us from that ever happening. I was terrified of that. So I would have like really blanched at the idea of calling anyone a girlfriend or boyfriend because that sounded too intimate. But over time, as we broke these rules and um, sometimes kind of accidentally and sometimes very intentionally, we discovered, I discovered, I'll say just for myself, that I could not have satisfying sex uh, without love. And so I needed to have a more meaningful connection to people as we got deeper into this journey. Um, so now, yeah, it's kind of funny. I, I, I use the word boyfriend or girlfriend because, but that's such a Gen X kind of term too. <laughs> right, I yeah. feel like I date myself by saying that. So. Right partner still sounds like business partner to me, even though I know that's not the way people talk about it. Um, but yeah, I think we talk, we say partner, we say, you know, lover, lover sounds a little too um, Harlequin romance for me too. I just, you know, people have associations sure. with words. In fact, you had a list early on of the things, you know, besides don't fall in love, don't date an ex, don't date anyone in the neighborhood, don't date anyone too far away, don't date anyone you work with, no falling in love, only go out on a date on the night when I go out on a date, no going to anyone's house, no daytime dates, no sleeping over, no dating on anyone you might eat, fall in love with, and on and on from there. I mean, it seems to me right. r- rules are important, but there's obviously, uh, as you say, you broke most of these. Yeah, I mean, I think I think now looking back, I see them as guardrails. I, it, it, you know, it's it's hard to go from zero to sixty, and I, you know, I I encourage anybody who is thinking about trying this to really start light. You know, um, even though you it, it does it does pick up steam quickly, or it can anyway. But I feel like the guardrails came down as we got clearer on what we wanted. We got more comfortable and feeling more secure in our own relationship and realizing that it wasn't going to implode by dating other people. So um, the guardrails came down when they Mm. needed to come down. And for you, Stuart, were there rules and guardrails or are there rules and guardrails that now after, what, 15 years seem to work for the two of you? Uh, you know, there's not a lot of rules left. Uh, cause, <laughs> you broke most of them, right? Uh, we, yeah, we we really <laughs> crushed those. Um, but I mean, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I think we stick to the the uh, the basics, which is just don't be stupid. Um, which I've broken, <laughs> I don't know how many times. Um, <laughs> don't be stupid, I, I, which is like don't think of the other. I mean, just think before you you leap, exactly. so to speak. Just be smart and just try to think, is this what a, a sane human being would do, mm-hmm. um, given the circumstances, I guess. But yeah, basically have the other person's needs in mind. You know, try not to make plans on their birthday, that kind of thing. <laughs> that would be stupid, wouldn't it? <laughs> oh, it would be actually be cause for my untimely death. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. You know, Molly, I love my birthday. Yeah. Don't we all? Um, 
Uh, Molly, about a minute before our first break here, but also reading through the book. I mean, this is a lot of work. I mean, you have children. Yes. You certainly had young children at this time. You each had jobs you were working on. You have an actual marriage and then an open marriage on top of that. I mean, this seemed exhausting as, as a reader reading about you. I would concur. It is not for the faint at heart. But I will say I was exhausted before we opened the marriage. Um, and there were times when I just didn't feel like there was any space in my life for me. So part of it was just forcing a little extra space for myself. And some sleep may have been sacrificed, but my hope is that I didn't sacrifice anybody else. And when I look back at it, I don't think that I did. Well, let's take that break, and then we'll get back to our conversation. That's Molly Roden-Winter and her husband, Stuart Winter. And Molly's written a brand-new book. It's titled More, and it's subtitled A Memoir of Open Marriage, and it's their open marriage. As I mentioned, they've been married for about 24 years. They've had an open relationship uh, for about um, 15, so more than half of their marriage. Much more to talk about after this very short break. Do stay with us. We'll be right back. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. I'm Marty Moscowain, and you're listening to The Connection here on WHYY in Philadelphia. And today, Scenes from an Open Marriage. Our guests are Molly Roden-Winter and her husband, Stuart Winter. Molly's memoir is titled More, and it's about how they opened up their marriage, how they deal with things like jealousy and insecurity, and how they remain committed to each other. Molly, obviously I'm reading your book. Stuart hasn't written his book about your open marriage, <laughs> at least not yet. Yeah. <laughs> so so I only have have your word to go on. But what I, the impression I get is that for Stuart, this was a relatively easy decision and then relatively easy thing to manage. But I hear from you that it was a struggle, that, that while it, it led to some really good things, it also led to some, some difficult and challenging things for you. Yes? Ab- absolutely, yes. And I would say, though, that that's kind of the only way in my experience that real growth happens through difficult things. I don't know that we learn a lot from our easy moments. <laughs> So people often think, well, if it's hard, why would you do it? And that's fair. That's very fair. Um, I sometimes compare open marriage to running, you know, to doing an Ironman. Not everybody wants to do that. And I wouldn't expect everyone to want to do it. But for me, once I got kind of a whiff of how much of my own, um, you know, baggage, my own issues, my own insecurities, my own self-doubt, um, so many things. And this, a lot of this came out in therapy. Sure. Once, I, once I knew that this was opening me up in a way that I hadn't been able to kind of access before, it was, it's clear to me now that it was, it was the right thing for me. And Stuart, did you struggle maybe differently from Molly? Oh, definitely. Uh, because in the beginning, I guess it's it was like being at a 
like I always say it, a salad bar. And I mean, the thing is that it was, I, I think I, I think I just stretched myself too thin mm. as I think, and you know, both for my job, my marriage, uh, my health, uh, the whole thing. I think I overdid it. And, you know, like anytime, uh, like a salad bar, um, I thought I was having vanilla pudding when in actuality I was having mayonnaise. So like, it was like the, the whole kind of, <laughs> that was a horrible analogy. It was, um, but it works. Yeah. yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Uh, that, that will not be making make into the next book. Um, but the, the, the thing is that I, I learned uh, that I needed this in a way. I didn't realize how I, how I needed it. I needed to see into other people's marriages. I needed to see how other people's lives worked. And when I found that out, it started making me feel better and started making me feel a lot more kind mm. of able to handle, uh, you know, there was guilt, there was, there was indecision. So it kind of gave me a, a basis to judge my own marriage on. I think it's so interesting, too, that you you wanted the details from Molly's encounters, that that was, I mean, as Molly writes about it, it was kind of a turn on for you, but you wanted that. Why was that so important to you? Story? Oh, well, you got to keep up with the Joneses. No, no. I mean, <laughs> okay. yeah, I mean, let's face it, because I, I was working in a, in a vacuum. I had no idea. You know, you could ask the other person, well, what do you want? And like, oh, you're fine. Uh, but nobody wants to hear that. And by hearing what she was doing with other people, I'm like, oh, like, really? Oh, I, I, I have to buy that contraption? You know, that kind of thing. I mean, um, another okay. side of Molly, right? Yeah, exactly. And I think it was important for Molly to find it out. And also it was important to me to kind of stay on the sidelines of where she'll be like, all right, she likes that. Oh, but she doesn't like that. So it was a real big help for me, too. Molly, you just said, oh, God. <laughs> I know oh, the contraptions. The, all the, the, I was joking I, about the contraptions. Actually, Go ahead. I know. I, it's funny, though, because it's true that one person's kink is another person's vanilla. I think of myself as pretty vanilla, but then others, I'm, I'm kind of surprised by how shocking some of the sexual details have been to other people. And I realize, oh, maybe I'm not quite as vanilla as I thought, hmm. but it's a, you know, it's a, it's a long continuum. Um, and I, I still, consider myself on the vanilla side of the continuum. And did you tell Stuart everything? I mean, how much did you keep to yourself? Yeah, well, you, I mean, now he knows everything because in the book, I said the things that I wasn't telling him. So, (laughs) but no, eventually it all came out, but there were times kind of the emotional stuff in particular was the stuff I wanted to keep close to myself. And Part of it was just because I wanted it to be mine. You know, I didn't want it to be, you know, there was a time when um, other people felt like props in my marriage. And I write about that. And ultimately, even if a relationship now is benefiting my marriage, it doesn't feel like a prop anymore. It feels like I'm having really fulfilling relationships outside of my marriage. And it's it's good for me first and foremost, and then beautiful, you know, side effect is that it's good for my marriage as well. Some people have open marriages, but they but they don't share a lot with their with their spouse or their long term partner. That they really do keep it to themselves. Do you understand that, Molly? I understand the impulse. That was what I wanted, and then it's funny. I tell Stuart he's just a terrible 
liar. We're both terrible liars, right? So and I yeah. found myself getting angry at him that he wasn't lying better. And I was like, there's something wrong here. When I'm like, God, you know, you don't know how to tell me a lie I'll believe. You know, you're hesitating before you say it. Now I know you're, you know, it was just those kinds of conversations. And once we could hear how ridiculous that sounded, um, it, it, it actually brings me to another rule. And I will say sure. it's kind of our only rule now. Stuart was saying, don't be stupid. That's true. But the main rule for me is, yes, tell me the truth, but then make sure that I'm okay. You know, so what used to happen is he would get, he would tell me something. I would ask, he would tell me, and then I'd get angry at him for what he told me. And then he would say, well, then why should I tell you anything? And it was hard for me to answer. I just knew that I needed to know. But what we've come to is I'm going to have feelings about things and you just have to take care of me and my feelings. And that's the price of admission. So when I feel insecure, when I feel kind of unattended to, um, anything that might come up, he he might need to spend an hour a day. You know, I, it's a... It's better now than it used to be, but I need that time and attention from him in order to work through the feelings that I have when things arise. And how about for you, Stuart? Do you have something similar that you need for yourself? Yeah, actually, I mean, the the best thing about open marriage for me is that, and the thing that I think I really got out of it and I think we're working on, is we learned how other people argue. Like, for example, we learned to argue through this. And through, I think, oh, through our short bout with uh, marriage therapy. But uh, I really think we, like, I learned I need to have, like, we needed rules for arguing. Like, you know, I felt misunderstood. And they say in marriage therapy, you should, you know, you say something. The other person then says what they think you, th- they, you know, they thought you said. There's a lot of pronouns in there. Yeah. Um, I'm kind of role playing. Um, yes. I, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thanks. And I'm nodding um, on the radio, but no, go ahead and oh, okay. <laughs> Well, but it's, it, that really helped us a lot. And I started using that in other relationships too. And I started realizing like it's arguing is a skill. And the best thing about we learn from all this is because there's a lot of complex, a lot of really emotionally charged things. And we learned how to deal with them on a much, I don't know, much more. I mean, it sounds funny, but intimate level, like you understand how the other person is feeling so much more easily now than before the open marriage. Yeah, go ahead, Molly. I feel like a lot of our conversations now, correct me if I'm wrong, Stu, I feel like sometimes our arguments, I should say, our arguments end with like a high five. We're like, damn, that was a good one. You know what I mean? Oh, I thought you were hitting me. Oh, hold on. (laughs) It's like efficiency. It's like, whoa, we got to the root of that one in a heartbeat, whereas it used to take us three months to figure out what we were actually arguing about. You know, we're just really good at it now. And what I hear you saying is that you got good at it by figuring how to get better at an open marriage. Yeah, because there's... There's, I mean, think about it. If you can talk to your spouse about your deepest desires and the way in which you are feeling inadequate or in which they are not meeting needs adequately, you're going to end up communicating really well. So I find that people in open marriages are exceptionally good communicators. Yeah. Like, you know, I don't know how many times Molly said, could you not eat Doritos before sex? 
Like that. I think that's an nice, nice. Yeah, it's the Chrome. Sorry, Doritos. I happen to love Doritos, but let me just quickly reintroduce the two of you. That's Molly Roden Winter and her husband, uh, uh, Stuart Winter. And we're talking about Molly's new book. It's titled Very Simply More, A Memoir of Open Marriage. And it is their marriage that we are talking about. And again, they've been married uh, 24 years, and uh, more than half of that time they have been in an open marriage. You do go to therapy, individual therapy and couples therapy, and, and it sounds like you had really good therapy. And there's one, I guess her name is Evelyn, there's one of your therapists who says about open marriage, which I thought was pretty insightful. Um, and she says, in some ways, open marriage is a joint adventure. But at the same time, your outside relationships are individual explorations and there are risks. You don't want to head off into the wilderness without knowing how to find your way home. And I really like that last sentence. And I wonder for you, Molly, just how instructive that was for you. Yeah, well, that was kind of my taking off point for an essay I just wrote for Time Magazine. But um, so it's very fresh in my mind. I can talk about it. What I think I learned, I I, I took it very seriously, this idea of risk. Um, but I ultimately came to see that the risks were worth it. You know, there are risks anytime you're doing anything, right? Um, and there's the opportunity cost too. There's the things that you're not doing because you're doing this instead. So I think everything in life is just kind of measuring how much, what am, what am I um, risking? What am I gaining? And how do I manage the two? And I think the way Stuart and I ultimately felt was that if, if this process of opening our marriage led us away from each other, we would deal with that. But what we were hoping is that it would lead us further into kind of ourselves and that we would almost kind of fall in love all over again with these new selves. That's the way it felt to me. And I had my mother also, spoiler alert, my parents had an open marriage. Um, And my mother was the one who would tell me, oh, sweetheart, no, you don't have to worry. You won't blow up your marriage as long as you keep communicating. And, you know, I can see how much you and Stuart love each other. Just keep talking through it. And it's going to enrich your marriage in the end. And she was speaking from experience. And so nobody I know has a mother who would be the first person they would call if they were interested in sleeping with someone outside of their marriage. But in my case, um, maybe not the first person, but, but we ended up really talking a lot about it. And she helped me to to feel okay with the risk and to see what the benefits could be as well. And how do you see the risk, Stuart, or even the sort of danger associated with risk? Because danger can be very alluring. Sure. I mean, actually, danger is probably a part of the open marriage is that it's kind of always testing the strength of the marriage in a way. But you have to be pretty confident and you need a marriage that I think is strong. And like every every married couple says, well, my wife or husband is my best friend, but Molly is. And mm-hmm. I it took me maybe the open marriage to realize it, that there are so many things that have to go right to stay married. You have to have the same values. You have to have the same sense of humor. You have to have the same likes for the most part. You know, you have basically there's like a baseline of 20 different things that have to be for a successful marriage. And if you found that, then you have to really appreciate it because in all these open relationships, you might have 
10 out of 20 or 15 out of 20, but you realize that the person you have 20 out of 20 with hmm. is at home. Although I'm sure for some people they realize it's not at home, it's somewhere else. And that's just part of the risk of opening up a marriage. Sure. I mean, at any point, Molly can, or I can, like either one of us can say, you know, I've had enough. But every day you have to decide, I have not had enough yet. And I think that's, I think that makes me feel better that every day Molly looks at me, you know, as I'm brushing my teeth and I'm completely <laughs> covered in drool that, you know, I still, <laughs> He's you know, guy. that she's still, yeah, it's, it's her okay, mistake, I, but I'm going to, going to keep holding her to it. Well, let's say, talk- I say, yeah, no, oh, go, ahead, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. no yeah, go ahead. Molly. Thank you. Sure. Well, I just feel like there's one thing in there that I want to just take um, apart for a minute is the idea that, you know, for me, the biggest thing that Stuart gives me is the freedom to discover things about myself. Hmm. And part of what I have learned in all of this is that I am responsible for my own happiness. And I think there was a time at the beginning of, you know, I talk about this in the book when I just wasn't happy and I was blaming Stuart for not being happy. But really, you can never outsource your happiness. Another person isn't going to make you happy. So Part of what I discovered in all of this is that I need to make myself happy. Um, and it's not about finding the man who's going to make me happy. Uh, now that I am happy, I can be happy with lots of people. You know what I mean? But Stuart is the only one who I feel just unequivocally gives me the space for whatever I need. And I want to give him that back. Let's talk a little bit about jealousy, because I think it'd be hard to talk about an open relationship with not getting to jealousy. And I wonder, I'll go back to you, Molly, which is what has, what hit, what did you learn about jealousy? Because it's hard not to be jealous, knowing that your partner is with somebody else, at least early on. But what did jealousy teach you about yourself? Yeah, and jealousy hit me like a ton of bricks over and over and over again. Um, It was actually a line from the book, The Ethical Slut, which Mm. is kind of the Bible of polyamory, where, and I quote it in my book, where they say, it's two authors, and they say, jealousy is the mask you wear for whatever else is going on right now, something like that. And so I found, you know, that was really helpful to me to kind of dig underneath my jealousy to see what was there. And there was a lot of insecurity, obviously. Um, And there was also just a lot of fear of being alone. I didn't like being alone, even, you know, for a few hours. And that was kind of problematic. So I dug into that. And it, it had to do also with just kind of feeding myself and giving myself what I needed and not... Um, being upset that, you know, Stuart was with somebody else, but that I could take care of myself. But there's there was also that understanding that I could also ask him for what I needed. And he would he would rise to the occasion whenever I did ask. Um, but jealousy is, continues to be a real issue for me. It's not it doesn't go away. How about for you, Stuart? Um, about a minute before our break here, but how do you how do you deal with jealousy or do you? I love jealousy. You I, do. I know that sounds odd. Why? Well, it's because I, it because it's not a negative feeling initially. I mean, because if I'm jealous, I try harder to be a better husband or father or something like that. And I kind of like that. It's when people get complacent in their marriages that they think they are the thing. They they, they can't make any mistakes. 
that's not right. And I think that there's always going to be someone who's going to raise my wife's eyebrow and I kind of want to keep up with them if not surpass them. And that's important. So jealousy for me is kind of that, you know, the, you know, it's like Avis, we try harder or whatever that is. <laughs> like, yeah, I, it, it's, it's, it makes me feel like I have to, to keep up with the Joneses. And I'll use that expression again. I, I mean, make you a, a more interesting, better person. I hope so. Unless I'm doing this completely wrong. Um, but yeah, I really do think it makes me at least a better husband and a better person in general, because it makes me a hell of a lot more aware of other people and their issues. Well, we're going to carry on our conversation after this very short break. That's uh, Stuart Winter, and he joins us along with his wife, Molly Roden Winter, and she's written a brand new book. It's called More, a Memoir of Open Marriage, and we've been talking about their marriage. Much more to talk about after this very short break, including a word I came across called compersion. We'll be right back. Today on The Connection, we're talking about navigating open marriage. And again, our guests are Molly Roden-Winter, whose new memoir, More, is titled A Memoir of Open Marriage. And we're also talking with her husband, Stuart Winter. And I mentioned the word compersion right before the break, a word I'd never heard of before. But um, Molly, in a lot of ways, it's really the opposite of jealousy. And I I had to Google it and I came up with... (laughs) Um, masterclass, their description of it, and I'll just read it for our listeners. The word compersion refers to a form of joy in the joy of others. In the world of consensually non-monogamous relationships, it more specifically relates to the happiness someone finds in their partner seeking out and enjoying sexual and romantic intimacy with other people. Does that definition fit yours? Yeah, it does. And I'm glad that it that that definition opened with joy at your partner's joy, because in some circles, compersion gets defined completely in sexual terms that it's kind of like getting turned on by your, you know, partner being gratified sexually by somebody else. And that that can be part of it. It's not the case for me. I have no no desire to see, witness, even really hear much about my husband's sexual experiences with other people. But I do experience happiness that he is happy in his relationships. And that took a while for me to achieve. And it's it's really now feels like part of the fabric of our marriage. When people ask, you know, would you ever be in a closed marriage ever again or would you close mm-hmm. your marriage not not if Stuart wanted to keep it open I feel like I can make my own decisions if there were a time when I didn't want to see other people I could make that choice but I don't feel like I have honestly the right or the the interest in trying to control what he does I want I want him to live his life as fully as he can and other people, in my experience, have only made him not just happier, but just more fulfilled in general. And he's right. These I credit a lot of um, these other women, particularly his long-term girlfriend, with helping him to really grow. Um, mm. I And I see it in, in our marriage. So I, I give a, a shout out to uh, the women who have helped him become who he is today. Do you feel compersion? Stuart? I definitely do. Because it's funny, I guess Molly just, you just took my idea, uh, which was <laughs> that uh, like 
Molly, there, there are men in Molly's life who have just really made her so much more confident, so much more happy. And given her experiences that, you know, that, you know, for the most part, like, uh, you know, taking her places where, like, thank God someone took her there. Wow, that takes a load up. You know, who wants to go to the opera? That kind of thing. Um, it's It's been, but it's good because it, she then tells me like, well, we did this and did this and maybe we try it and I know what to do now. And it's actually, it's given her these whole bunches of experiences and hearing her talk about it and hearing her excited about it is fun. It really, it's hap- It's so heartwarming to, to have your wife be happy and not be happy like at the exclusion of you, but like, this is something for us. Now we can do this. I like that. I thought it was interesting that one of the, the rules that was broken was was a, a, a deal breaker, which was going to the movies with another person. <laughs> to be honest with you, something I could totally relate with. I mean, that feels like, you know, like a really uh, a threat to, to, the, to the main relationship. Yeah, that, it's that interesting how was. many. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Stu. There you go. Go ahead, Molly. Um, I think it's interesting the things that that you don't realize are intimate until you're in the midst of it, right? Um, so there is something very intimate about going to a movie with someone in a capacity that's not just as a friend, like on a date, holding hands in the dark. I mean, that's very intimate. So um, we've, you know, that's the kind of thing I might still get jealous about. And if there's a movie that we know the other person wants to see and we have an opportunity to see it with somebody else, we'll kind of clear it. But our our general rule now is if the other person still wants to see it, you have to see it twice. (laughs) That's That's kind of where we've landed now. Right. And I think that's fair. I mentioned yeah. the fact that you have two uh, sons. They're now, I mean, when, whoops, excuse me, when they write about, when you write about them, they're quite young. Now they're, what, almost adults or certainly late teens. And um, Stuart Daniel, your, one of your sons saw your, your laptop, I guess, was open, and he saw your OK Cupid profile. What happened next? How did you deal with that? Well, well he, saw, he, he saw Stuart's, okay. but... Sorry, he saw Stewart's, but then he called me. And it, so oh, that's true. It, he did call you. Yes. Yeah. So, who did you want to answer? Sorry. Well, let me let me start with you, Molly, and then we'll go back to you, Stuart. Yeah. So he saw Stewart's profile and called me. Um, I was on a work trip. I was doing teacher trainings at the time and was in Houston, and uh, he thought that Stewart was cheating on me. Um, so it that's the way I opened the book with that yep. scene of him texting me and it was the it was my worst fear I will tell you Indeed. um matched only by the idea of my younger child finding out which he did in the time after the book ends um but now that they both do know and now they are 19 and almost 22 So it's a very different story now, and I'm very glad that I can be my full authentic self with them. It doesn't mean that I have to, you know, I don't I don't think I would um, parade my sexuality around in front of my children no matter what. But it's nice to not have to um, withhold anything about myself that feels so significant to me from my children. And and Daniel says to you, um, just lie to me. I mean, you know, yeah. even though you apparently are not a very good liar, but that's what he felt like that would, because of course, children worry that their parents are going to divorce or break up. Sure. But it's, I also think it's kind of similar to, 
you know, parents have sex with each other, right? But they don't announce to their children, hey, guys, can you turn up the TV? We're going to be upstairs having sex. You know, it's like it's it's a little strange to do that. So in some ways, it made a lot of sense for me to just lie and not announce what I was doing when I was doing it. Um, But these days, you know, my oldest did meet um, my current partner at my birthday party and it was fine. Um, I asked him in advance, my son in advance, if that would be okay. And he was like, yes, but now, you know, he's an adult. So mm-hmm. he introduced me to his girlfriend. So it was great. How about for you, Stu? How, how, how do you feel about your, your children knowing this, even if they're grownups or near grownups? Yeah, I, they're throughout, I guess, our entire marriage. Molly and I have always, I mean, have always argued in front of the kids. We've always made up in front of the kids. We, you know, we, we are very affectionate towards each other physically. Like, you know, we'll hold hands, we'll do this. And I wanted my kids to see this is what a marriage is like. We both feel pretty strongly that we don't hide things from our children, at least in that respect. I was hoping to hide this a little longer, but Hmm. um, that it's still, when it happened, they didn't immediately go, oh my God, you guys are getting divorced you know, they ask, you know, they'll still ask like maybe once every couple of years, but for the most part, they know we love each other and they can see that, you know, we're, we're, we're happy. And again, it's, they're comfortable with that. And as long as we're happy, they don't ask questions. If they were unhappy, would you, I mean, would you close your, your marriage? I mean, if they really objected somehow? That's a tough question, but probably not. I don't think it's not their, it's not, it's not, they don't get to decide whether we remain right. what we do in our marriage. They can't tell us. And it, it's important that marriage stay for us and not for the children in that respect. Go ahead, Molly. Yeah, I think that's true too. Like we're, we're staying married long after we're enjoying ourselves quite a bit now that they're more or less out of the house. <laughs> so, um, you know, your children only live with you for a short time. Your, right. your spouse is forever. And I also think it's not great for kids to have that kind of power over their parents. If I were to ask my kids permission to do things in my right. life, that would be, that would be problematic. And that would make them feel, I think, um, a little insecure in my decision-making ability. What I've always said is there is nothing for you to worry about here. We are fine, and this does not need to affect you. If I freaked out because they were freaking out, that's scary. But if I'm calm and I just let them know, now this is the way it is, sweetie, you really don't need to worry, we're fine, then they feel relaxed about it. You quote Esther Perel in, in Esther Perel in this book, and she wrote this incredible book about ten years ago. I remember interviewing her on it called "Mating in Captivity." But her sort of overall thesis is that the sort of familiarity of of a long term relationship can kind of drain some of the excitement, the passion, the desire out of that relationship. And it sounds like you're you're sort of living <laughs> what it is that she's talking about. Stuart, you want to take that first? Sure. I mean, that's exactly it. If, uh, there's like you know that old thing. If you have hamburgers every day, you might love hamburgers in the beginning, but you'll get used to hamburgers. And this has actually taught me that there's there's a whole bunch of kind of hamburgers out there. I mean, even the hamburgers that I make, you, there's a whole bunch of things you can add. And I'm going to really stop this metaphor now before. Uh, <laughs> You're this, big on metaphors, Stu. I can hear I, that. I suck at them. That's my superpower. <laughs> I just make really bad metaphors. 
Um, but yeah, it's it's taught me that like there's there is a way that marriage can be stultifyingly boring if you look at it without creativity, and it's mm-hmm. helped us to be creative. And people find creativity in any way, shape, or form. And this form has taught me that I needed to know, and I wanted my wife to know what else is out there. And the big thing for me, and this is, I think this shocks a lot of my friends, is I always thought that if Molly ever decides one day, I love somebody more than you, I would want her to be with that person. Wow. That that Because I don't want to be someone's second banana. I just don't want to be, I just don't want her to tolerate me because of the marriage. The kids are old enough. She can do whatever she wants. But I really want her to feel the same way that I feel about her. You know, I got the feeling, uh, Molly, the way you wrote about your your relationships, and it is a little bit like falling in love or that first date, that you Mm -hmm. also, out of these open marriage relationships, fall in love with yourself. I mean, you see yourself in sort of new and fresh light. Do I have that right? And if I do, is that important to you? It's very important. It's like one of the oldest cliches in the book that you can't love anybody until you love yourself. But it, it, until you feel it or feel the absence of it, um, it doesn't make sense. But it's absolutely true. It's just kind of unlocking something within yourself that connects to what is wonderful about other people. And if you can't see anything wonderful in yourself or or don't, or you feel ashamed of the things that maybe you should feel excited and, you know, proud of. Um, It's just, you just get stuck. So I think a lot of this, I mean, and I think this is true in so many women's memoirs. It's, it's kind of like the journey to the self, because I think women are, are taught from a very young age. And I, I had kind of drunk this in with the water that you're supposed to please other people and you don't pay a lot of attention to to what pleases you what what makes you tick if you're too busy kind of morphing yourself into whatever you're supposed to be to fill a various various roles so this was my opportunity to figure myself out and I'm so glad I took it well and this goes back to a, a question your your therapist asked you about meeting this Uh, young man, Matt, um, and the therapist Mm -hmm. says to you, well, what will this mean for you? And in the beginning, you don't know. You don't know what the answer to that question is. Right. So what is the answer today? Oh, wow. Well, it's kind of everything I just said, I think. What it meant for me is giving myself permission to be my full self. And you know, I, I do say that open marriage is about so much more than sex, but sex is part of it. And I, I open the book with a quote by Audre Lorde, which yeah. is, the erotic is the nurturer of all our deepest knowledge. And there's something about going into kind of the the erotic parts of the self that help you to find things out that you can't find out any other way. Um, that was true for me anyway. And so... Uh, yeah, mm. I, I found out it was kind of the key for figuring everything else out. Do you see it that way, Stuart? Definitely. I, I think that the, well, I mean, I agree with Molly that the sex part, even though it's, you know, people are like, oh, it's just, it's crazy. But you find a lot about self-confidence. You find a lot about, you know, understanding someone else's emotional, you know, level at the time. Like you read people better the more people you have relationships with, both physical and non-physical. 
So I think it's important. This has made both of us much more confident. And yeah, we do. I think we love ourselves more than we did, which I think, again, can only strengthen the marriage because, you know, it's mm. it's takes up a lot of space disliking yourself. Indeed. Or anyone else. Molly, let me go back to you. And, and I'm looking at the title of your book, More. Is this enough? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, yeah. you know, more. Are, are, did you get, I guess, did you get the more that you wanted? Yeah, absolutely. And that wasn't my original title, but um, it's something, you know, the title comes from something my mother said to me the first time I had a really difficult breakup. And she says, oh, sweetheart, don't worry, there will be more. (laughs) And, And I think of it as meaning more men, more sex, more excitement, more adventures at first, but it's more everything. It's just this kind of, you know, expansiveness, this idea that love is abundant, infinite, um, that there's, there's always room for more. But uh, yes, I, I also feel like it's enough. It's a paradox. All truths are paradoxes in the end. Yeah. I have both more and I have enough. Well, that's lovely. And I think a good way to end our conversation. Uh, Molly Roden-Winter, thank you so much for joining us today on The Connection. Thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. And again, the book is titled More, A Memoir of Open Marriage. She's a writer. And Stuart Winter, thank you for joining us today on The Connection as well. Thanks a lot, Marty. You're very welcome. He's a, You're welcome. And he's a musician, a composer, um, and uh, both of them obviously joining us today on The Connection. Well, thanks for... To you for joining us on The Connection as well. Every week we explore different aspects of what make us human and what make us unique. You can email us at theconnection at whyy.org. You can tell us what you want us to cover, what you think about the shows. You can check out our website, whyy.org slash theconnection, where you can sign up for our newsletter. You can always download a podcast of the show wherever you get your podcast. And one more thing, you can find us on Instagram and you can find us on Facebook. Up next, Here and Now. Al Banks, the engineer for today's edition of The Connection, the show produced by Debbie Builder and Paige Murray-Bessler. I'm Marty Moscow-Wayne. Thanks for joining us. <laughs>